Good morning, Paul. What will your first sequence of the day be? Computer load up, celery man, please. Yes, Paul. Get out of here, cat. Cat, get out. Move, catty. Catty, get out of here, cat. Come on, get out of here. Man, don't spoil your cats, ladies and gentlemen. It's tough. They're all over you. They never leave you alone. They're always in your face. It's hell. Ladies and gentlemen, it is I, your humble anime slave, Regan Strongblood, back once again after a two-month break, which... Isn't very good, but it's not the worst. Ladies and gentlemen, the Anime Roundtable, another Canadian anime podcast, they returned after a year. They were gone for a year. And Miracle of All Miracles, the very good Chibi Tokyo, has returned after two years, ladies and gentlemen. Two years since they did a episode, so two months isn't that bad. So here we are, Mecha Madness Final Part 1. That's right, we're going to do this in two parts, and the reason I did that or did this is because I felt terribly bad. It was taking me so long to get the final part of Mecha Madness out. I felt bad for the listeners, but I felt even worse for all the gentlemen who took the time and effort to make quality reviews for the Anime 82 podcast. And I didn't have the time, or I didn't make the time to get the shows out. Shame on me. So, gentlemen, I humbly apologize. With that, I'd like to also say... <clears throat> I've had a lot of guests lately, and I don't want people to get the wrong idea. I don't have guests because I'm lazy and I want them to do my work for me. I've done a lot of shows on my own. I've had over 40 shows now, you know, so. No, it's because if I ask you on my show, it's because I respect you, and uh, I just love to have uh, my anime podcast brethren being part of the Anime 82 show. And I got to tell you, Mecha Madness, it has been a success, ladies and gentlemen. Over a 1,000 downloads, and... Tons and tons of new subscribers. I've got a lot of emails saying, hey, where is the final part? Well, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Mecha Madness final. The madness gets deeper and deeper. The final third part of the epic Mecha Madness podcast. A series of insane Mecha anime reviewers joining me, the insane one, Mr. Regan Strongblood. We have a star-studded... Uh, array of guests this week and next week because this week's part one and next week i promise you is part two ladies and gentlemen we have gerald the south african nightmare yes awo that's anime world order probably one of the best anime podcasts out there mr gerald rathcope taking a look at zed mind a strange little um ova from the 1990s it's a brief review but uh it's a good one so gerald of the AWO with Zedmine. We also have Jeff Rich Lather of the Lather's Blathers podcast taking a look at 
Maddox 01, another strange little OVA, and one that I covered a few episodes back. Um, make sure to refer to that for, I have a little bit of a different opinion than Jeff on this show. It's really mecha porn, and it's a classic. So two strange little OVAs. Also, we have another OVA, and that is the awesome cast taking a look at Mazen Kaiser, which is sort of like uh, Mazinger Z on steroids. So the awesome cast, I, one of the newer, well, not really a new podcast, but one of the newer podcasts I discovered. Of course, we have the old faithfuls like Lazarus Blather and AWO, but now I have some new friends, and that's the awesome cast. Make sure you guys check those guys out. They're really great. Also, Mike Dent, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, the legend, the metal hero. That's right, hot-blooded, everlasting Mr. Mike Dent of R5 and the Ace Podcast. He blesses us with another great review, and that's Voltus 5, a great show, a show I covered, but um, don't listen to my show. I'm going to actually take the, my older episodes down because they're pretty shitty. Um, Mike Dent, what can I say? He is the man. I bow down to Mike Dent. He is the man. Another show, a new anime podcast that's really, really good. I highly recommend it. It's one of the best new shows, and that's The Veef Shows. Uh, the Veef Show, and that's with Andrew, formerly of Destroy Podcast DX. Uh, another good podcast. Uh, no disrespect, no disrespect. A few episodes back, I said that I had stopped my sort of over-synopsis sort of review style for more of a balanced review style. <clears throat> and I use a description of, uh, that's the review style that Destroy All Podcast DX uses. And I shouldn't have said that because I wasn't really trying to, you know, come off rude. So I apologize for that. Destroy All Podcast DX, it was a podcast that I really, really enjoyed. And for me personally, it was disappointing when they started reviewing things like Doug the Movie or like My Little Pony. I just thought, like, this sucks, but no disrespect. They have a right to do their podcast, and, uh, yeah, check those guys out. They have uh, Their old shows are great, so, yeah, we have Veef, a uh, really great show at the Veef Show, and you can uh, check out his show on my link right there. Yeah, yeah, and ladies and gentlemen, he'll be looking at Tekaman Blade, a great show from the 90s once again, and me, Mr. Regan Strongblood, I'm going to take a look at Votums. That's right, another Votums OVA, we continue our journey with the Votums from last week. This time we take a look at the 90s OVA, Shining Heresy. It's just been subbed by Bro Lord. It's a miracle. We'll get into that in a little bit. So there you have it. So this is how we're going to split it up. Part one of Mecha Madness Final. We're going to have my little blab. Then we're going to have Mr. Mike Dent's review. Then we're going to have the Almighty Veef's review. And we're going to end things with Jeff's review. Then next week, guaranteed next week, Part 2, the final of the final, Mecha Manus, the end. Part 2, we're going to have my review of Botom's Shining Heresy. We're going to have Mr. Gerald Rathkob's review of Zed Mind, And we're going to cap things off with the awesome cast and their look at Mazenkaiser. So make sure you join us next week as well, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I just checked out the latest anime Pacific episode and uh, make sure you go support and listen to Anime Pacific. Um, they're one of the best podcasts out there. Uh, Dane and Alex. Uh, if you haven't checked those guys out, seriously do. It's a great show. Um, they're going through a little bit of reformatting, kind of reinventing themselves, if you will, once again. And uh, Dane, like I said, one of the hosts of that uh, podcast, uh, in the last show, he sort of kind of was feeling down with the whole anime industry. Uh, also down with um, the English distributors, what's being distributed, 
and just not really happy with a lot of the new anime. And he finally came to re the realization that uh, the anime he loves, he finally accepted was the 80s and 90s. And all I have to say is welcome home, brother. That's the realization of a man who uh, truly knows what's going down because I couldn't agree with you more, man. Um, the new shows generally suck, but I'm not too bummed out. I, he was pretty, he seemed a little bummed out, but cheer up, man. Don't get bummed out about it because I got to tell you, the way I look at things and the way they are right now with the over moe, everything's beanoed out, if you know what I'm saying. Um, the way I look at it is um, it's kind of like music, you know. Like in the early 80s in the United States and Canada, heavy metal was the mainstream number one. You know, it seemed like heavy metal would never uh, never end, you know. It was like number one everywhere. And uh, now heavy metal has become sort of um, not so mainstream. It's still around, but it's not the big thing now. It's rap, you know, or I like to call, ouch, cat, get out of here. Why does my cat bite me for no apparent reason? She just, she likes to bite me. It's okay. Kitty, please leave me alone. Um, you know, the big thing now is rap, which I like to call crap. You know, I like to think of music like candy, you know. Um, you know, I eat the sweet stuff in the middle and I throw the wrappers away. Oh, damn. And I know I do some rap for fun, but I'm not a big fan of rap. But yeah, so rap's the big music now, you know. So same thing with the anime industry. Right now, with the economy and stuff, you know, they're sort of focusing in on those groups where they can rely on a lot of Super Moe and all this shit. But I'm also down because, you know, if I get two or three good shows a season, I'm happy. That's all I need. And then I'll stick to the old stuff. Like, and truthfully, we've I've been getting a few good shows like Cobra. Cobra came out. That's great, right? Guys, come on. Gundam Unicorn. That's great, right, guys? That's great. Um, I'm looking forward to that um, mini skirt space pirate. That looks kind of neat. Um... So, oh, we also got, uh, you know, that Rao anime. I know it's from a few seasons back, but... And uh, some interesting animes getting released, like Goon Sega and Gogo 13. So, things aren't that bad, guys. Seriously, I never had any faith in, really, the distributors from the first place. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a fan like me, if you appreciate an the anime I like, it's time to go to the underground, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to rely on the only people you can rely on and that's other anime fans it's time to rely on the anime fan sub community and just basically say fuck it you know if distributors aren't putting out the stuff i like then fuck it let's do it ourselves let's burn it down i kind of hope the whole industry breaks down man then maybe people with fans of some of the old shows i like just joking that's sort of a nihilistic sort of point of view but anyways, I'm getting kind of off topic. What I'm really saying is <clears throat> right now it seems like the ongoing shit shows were just sort of like a combination of like action, moe, everything's like a mixed bag, melting pot shows, you know, a bunch of, I don't know, cutesy shows, shows for girls, you know, all this moe shit. It's like, it seems like it'll never end. But ladies and gentlemen, stay true to anime. Continue with the anime love. I tell you, the storm will end. There will be a day when there will be a backlash and the moe the Moe terror will end and will continue on with the glory of anime. The day will come, ladies and gentlemen. The night will end and the day will come. And there is still some good anime coming out. There's a lot of good sci-fi <coughs> out there. And it seems like the winter season's the best. I don't know. It just I find that the winter season of anime, we get a little bit more sci-fi, a little bit shit like that. So let's get more seinen. Let's get it on. 
But uh, yeah, and the Dirty Pair is coming out this fall. It's been released by Right Stuff, so you know that's good. And you know I'm talking shit about the anime distributors, but when you think about it, you know throughout time they have been a lot of good shows released. So I'm probably talking out of my ass, but right now I can see how people feel kind of bummed out because yeah, I check out all the new shows, and you know what? Just like Dane said, I'm not feeling it. So fuck it. Let's just uh, let's look let's look at this as um, see. You get people, podcasters, who are saying you got to support the anime industry. If you don't like the anime they're doing, don't support it. It's like music. Do you just, you know, the music industry? You know, if there's music you don't like, you don't buy it, do you? Exactly. So if all music sucks, then fuck it. Go to the local um, punk show, you know. Support some local dudes, you know. Do some underground shit. So, uh, yeah, let's take it back, ladies and gentlemen. Don't support the anime industry. Don't buy shows that suck. Only buy good shows, okay? And only buy shows that are released properly. That's why we're finally getting proper release. You know, for you younger fans who are just starting out, you know, you can get like a full box set of anime. A few years ago, that wasn't the case. You had a, It was all separate. It was bullshit. So, yeah, fight the power. Row, 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 okay? Row, row, row. Fight the power. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. So, yeah, dirty pair. Buy that. Oh, yeah. But I got to tell you, I, I'm pretty, like I said, I'm pretty positive about anime. I feel good. You know, there's a lot of shitty shows, but who cares? You know, there's two or three. If I can say I get five decent shows a year, I'm happy. That's all I need. Five decent shows. And if I was speaking Japanese, which I'm not, I would be getting that. You know, I'd be content. It's just that a lot of fan subbers, the only people you can rely on, a lot of them are just, they don't have good taste, in my opinion. You know, they, they, um, fan sub shows that suck. And shows that are good, they don't fan sub. I don't understand it. Why doesn't everyone think like me? Everyone should think like me. Come on. Get with it. Yeah. And you could say, why don't you get your own fan sub group? Yeah, well, I had my own fan sub group, okay? I was part of Box fan subs, okay? Yeah, there you go, tough guy. And guess what? I do have a new fan sub group. It's called Anime 82 Fan Subs, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Coming back. Coming back with Hell Target. I'm coming back with Astro Boy 2003. I got to do it on my own. Box fell apart, but we had some crazy releases. Who else in the world was going to fan sub California Crisis? Come on. Who? 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 Who else in the world was going to review um, fan sub Cosmos Pink Shock? Nobody. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, I rallied. It took me a year. I rallied and fought for um, <clears throat> Queen Millennia, the movie. That was because of me. I pushed. I pushed. I pushed. Got it done. Locked the Superman. I fought. I fought. I fought. I fought. I was like, come on. Let's do this. Let's do this. Got it. I can, I like give myself thank you. Thank you, Riga Strongblood. Oh, wow, you're welcome. Thank you for your efforts in getting, you know, Queen Millennia and Lock the Superman out. Oh, no pleasure. This was my own pleasure. Thank you very much. Oh, it was my pleasure. Say I'm thanking myself like an asshole. I'm crazy. But yeah, I did. I, I really, it just shows Frederick Nietzsche. It's true. The, the will. You got to get it done yourself. You have to get it done. I took things in my own hands and I fought. I was like, we must do this. Yes, and I got those two done. So there you go. So yeah, box was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I'm doing some fan subs. But when you do shit on your own, you can't get a lot done. My goal is Hell Target. Sort of this obscure horror sci-fi OVA from the 80s. So that's my target right now. And also the continued saga of Astro Boy 2003. We're working on that. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a new segment. It's called The Anime Prayer. Boom. We used to do the uh, Regan Recommendation. Now we're doing the Anime Prayer. So with no further ado, 
a new segment, The Anime Prayer. Dear Lord, in Anime Heaven, Osama Tezuka, I pray to you now that certain animes will be completely fansubbed one day. My first request is for the epic comedy, a great show, a show that is underappreciated in the English-speaking world, and that is Dr. Slump, one of the greatest comedies ever. A show that is so awesome, I don't understand why people don't fansub it. So, Osama Tezuka, Phoenix of the Sky, I pray to thee. Unite some fansubbers. Give them the enlightenment to fansub Dr. Slump. Thank you, sweet lord Osama Tezuka. My next prayer to you is M-subs to get off their ass and to finish SPT Lasner. Probably the greatest mecha show not fansubbed. It's an awesome group, and I know they have the power. Ladies and gentlemen, and God in heaven, this I pray. Thank you. Amen. And I apologize if anyone's offended from me uh, praying to Osama Tezuka, but hey, I'm, I'm just cool like that, you know? Um, in fan-subbing news, great news for old-school anime fan-sub-watchers. I don't know. <laughs> um, High Speed Jesse. Uh, a show that I'll tell you the story how it goes. Um, probably around last year, I got an email from this girl who she told me she was um, translating um, High Speed Jesse, and uh, if I was interested in helping her because she heard that I was a you know fan subber, so I brought it up to the attention of Box, and shit fell apart with Box, so it didn't work out. But uh, one of the members of Box is Area Eighty Eight, and he has his blog, um, Anime Classics, and uh, yeah. He's a cool guy. It kind of pisses me off that he, like, I heard he took credit for, like, the Raw for Cosmos Pink Shock, which is bullshit, because I provided that Raw to the group, so I don't know why he would, like, take credit for that, but whatever. Whatever. Anyways, he's a fairly cool dude, and he's got a cool um, anime classic review blog, but it's cool that um, High Speed Jesse, it's a 12-part OVA. It's finally being fan-subbed. Let's see if... Um, Anime Classic Reviews can actually stick with the show because they're notorious for starting shows and not ending them. Like, for instance, SPT Lasner, Dirty Pair, you know, but whatever. Um, he vows that he's going to get all 12 out. So if he does, I salute him because that's an epic show and that is some awesome, awesome news. So big ups. Make sure you go check out Area 88 and uh, check out High Speed Jesse. It's going to be great. I think they have two episodes out so far. Other fan sub news, a miracle has happened, ladies and gentlemen. Bro Lord, um, it's you could get the release on M Subs, which is another phenomenal group. It looks like the unsubbable, the holy grail of OVAs has finally been translated, and that is Votom's Shining Heresy, what I'm gonna look at next week. Fully fan subbed. It's all out. Go to M Subs, get it, and thank Bro Lord. Bro Lord, you rule. And uh, it's funny because Months and months ago, I was talking on little Google Messenger, and I was talking to Exodor of Anime Classics, another great group. Anime Classics, check them out. Um, Vifam, that's all I got to say. One word, Vifam. Yeah, that's... If you if you fans of Vifam, all I can do is salute you and say, hail, because pff, that's epic. Right there is enough. I mean, that's enough. But they continue with the other great shows, so hail. Anyways, 
I was talking to Exodor of um, Anime Classic Fan Subs, and I was saying, you know, why hasn't anyone fan subbed Shining Heresy? It was funny because he told me uh, the reason they don't is because of all the psychobabble. And after watching it now, I know what he's saying because there's a lot of, it's like a cult sort of thing going down in the anime. I'll talk about it in my review next week, but um, it has a lot of like spiritual speaking and it's like super hard to translate. So that's why it's like the Holy Grail. It was like the anime no one could fan sub because of all the psychobabble is just like such a tough translation. But a miracle has happened, ladies and gentlemen. Half decent uh translation too from what i gather and uh shining heresy it's out high speed jesse it's coming it's a miracle not only that ladies and gentlemen something that hit me from left field is like a knockout like Dush! i wasn't expecting this that's what's so exciting about um the anime fan subbing world you never know what you're gonna get with the anime distributors you know your hopes are really low it's for, it's for a lot of the old shows unless they're really really popular you know like my hopes for Dash Capay, forget about it. It's never going to happen, you know. My hope for SPT, SPT Lasner coming out, forget about it, you know. It's just not going to happen. I just have to accept it. But anyways, Bro Lord once again. Big ups to Bro Lord. I just got to say it. Bro Lord. Thank you, Bro Lord. You rule. And M-Subs, you also rule. Bro Lord's coming back. This time with an obscure OVA, which I actually did hear about. It's from the 1990s. I did hear about it. Sort of kind of like the Amon Sega, sort of a fantasy. It's a four-part OVA, and it's called Mosaica. And uh, I didn't, I never, I couldn't get a hold of the Raws, but I knew about it. But here they have it, ladies and gentlemen. Bro Lord has Mosaica fully subbed, fully fan subbed, out of left field. I'm like, holy shit! I wasn't expecting this. So, wow, I got it, and I can't believe it. So, thank you guys. Continue. Continue to support fan subbers you like. Continue to promote them. Anime 82, this is like the home of fan subbers. This is like, you know, the Anime News Network? Eh, it's all right. You know, half the people who work on Anime News Network, they don't even really know what they're talking about. I know more than probably half the people working there. That's not to say there's not good people there. There's a lot of good people who work at Anime News Network and who really know their shit. But some of the people on there, you're like, uh, yeah. It's like they don't, I don't think they even like anime. It's just like, they're like schmucks, you know? But anyways... Anime 82 is officially the podcast for anime fan subbers because with anime fan subbing, you never know what you're going to get. It's like a surprise. Some show that, you know, you just dreamed of seeing. Like, who would have thought California Crisis would come out? Bam. Thank you very much, Regan Strongblood. You're welcome, Regan Strongblood. Anytime. Okay? That's what I'm saying. You never know. Who knows? Maybe we'll get Future War 1980X. Someone will fan sub that. Who knows? Maybe we'll get Lock the Superman. The mirror ring, the final OVA that hasn't been fan subbed. Who knows? Maybe I'll do it, huh? Huh? Hint, 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 hint. Yeah. So you never know. High speed Jesse, come on, that's madness. Ladies and gentlemen, the fan subbing news keeps rocking. Once again, we're rocked. Our cocked is rocked. As Queen Emeraldus, the OVA which is notorious for disappointing. It was released on DVD. Just the first two OVAs of the four. So it really sucked. It was like so unsatisfying, but Finally, it's been totally fan subbed. It's up on the Nazi war camp st site. Um, what's it called? Asian DVD Club. It, you know, they're fa the fascists of uh, anime torrents, straight up. Because like these guys are unforgiving, man. You screw up once, you're banned for life. It's like eternal ban. I'm banned from there. I can't get back on. It's like eternity. It's like you are banned for eternity, for Mordor. You know. 
leave and never return. If you try to return, the gates of darkness will close over your mind. You know, I'm completely, I can't get, it's like a wall. It's like the Berlin Wall, and I'm a small Eastern German, and I'm like, <laughs> my father's in Berlin, please. But anyways, yes. Berlin, I mean the Western side. Yeah, anyways, yeah. Anyways, Queen Emeraldus, right now, it's only up at Asian DVD. You know, it's such a strange site because they only have ISOs. So to download anything, it's like a huge pachunk. And then, you know, if you're downloading crazy from a bunch of other sites, it's almost impossible to keep your ratio up. Like, I was downloading um, the Orgus ISOs, you know, that Orgus release. I downloaded that off um, Asian DVD Club, and then it killed me, like, totally killed me because there was, like, zero. There was no one else getting it. So it took me so long to get, and then I had no one to share it to. And by that time, I was really, really down low because I was downloading from, like, a lot of anime torrent sites. So I totally got banned, and I can't get back on. But guess what? You can't stop us. It's coming to box, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's coming to box. Why not? Asian DVD Club did it to box. They stole our fan subs right off Queen um, Millennium. They put it on their DVD rip. So, fuck you guys. Screw you guys. I'm going home. So, yeah. Great news. High Speed, high speed Jesse. Bam. Queen Emeraldus. Bam. Bodum's Shining Heresy. Bam. Then right out of left field, ladies and gentlemen, Mosaica. What? 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 It's a good time to be an anime fan. You know what I'm saying? Just get into it. Dane, my friend. Dane, my friend. Dane, my friend. I know you said you only want to watch, you know, high quality 720p anime. Come on, man. Come on. That's crazy talk. Just get an app converter and watch some 80s anime. Oh, yeah. I have a question for the fans of the show. Email me or leave a comment. My question is, Dragon Ball Kai, is it worth watching? You know, I might be interested in watching it. It's kind of interesting. It's sort of fascinating to me that they recut the show, make it shorter, take out the filler. I might be, you know, interested. I think the best of his work is, of course, Dr. Slump. But, hey, I'll definitely check out some Dragon Ball Z, especially if they cut out the filler. So, um, question for the fans. Email me or leave a comment. Dragon Ball Kai, any good? What do you think? Let me know. I am very interested. And uh, a little bit more chat before we go on for our first review with Mr. Mike Dent, the superstar. Ladies and gentlemen, I recently picked up Dr. Slump OVA 1-6 to plus special. Um, supposedly not a bootleg. Supposedly the Malaysian government official release. I don't think so. It's probably a bootleg, but whatever. Uh, when it comes to Dr. Slump with English subtitles, you got to take what you can get. I attempted, ladies and gentlemen, keyword attempted, to get VCDs of the complete Dr. Slump 1980s uh, television series with English fan subs. I'm sure English subtitles, I'm sorry, HK Hong Kong subtitles, but uh, I failed. Um, I went to a site that had them in Malaysia. I talked to the owner. It was on the site. I was all excited. I thought, man, I'm going to get it even with shitty English subtitles, whatever. Of course, they have it on their site for sale, but guess what? They can't get it, of course. The only version they have is with Cantonese subtitles. I don't speak Cantonese, man. So that's a big disappointment. So I picked up Dr. Slump, the OVAs, 1-6. to And surprisingly enough, ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you, the subtitles on this, they're good. 
They're completely readable. They're better than Hong Kong fan subs. These, I mean, Hong Kong subtitles. Stop saying fan subs. These are better than the Hong Kong bootleg subtitles. You might want to check it out. Um, you can check, find it on eBay. It's called 2010 New Dr. Slump. Ariel Chan. 1 to 6 OVA plus special. And I was excited because I thought it would be like the original um, 6 OVAs or movies, I guess you could call them. They, they call them movies in Japan. Um, sort of things. They're short films, like 15 minutes, 25 minutes they put before another movie or something. But this is kind of confusing because it's hard to tell which one's an OVA and which one's a movie because they're about the same length, you know. But OVA 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, I was re hoping that it would be the original OVAs, but it's sort of a mishmash. You get some of the OVAs from the 90s, some from the 80s. It's just sort of a mishmash, but uh, you get OVA 1, which is uh, Penguin Village Day by Day. OVA 2, which is Penguin Village Gal Gather with Love. OVA 3, um, being brought away by sharks they saved. OVA 4 is Horror Vacation. OVA 5 is The Treasure of Nanba Castle. And OVA 6 is Dr. Slump Ariel Chan's Special. Now, the names of these OVAs, they vary, which is normal. Because when you don't have an official English translation... You know, there's certain, um, there's different translations. Just like, uh, for example, Votum's, the OVA, Shining Heresy. Sometimes it's, um, sometimes it's translated as um, the Heretic Saint, I believe. So, you know, you just get different translations. But uh, anyways, I highly recommend this new Dr. Slump DVD release. It was just released this year in Malaysia by LF, Dr. Slump, Ariel Chan, 1 to 6 plus special. Uh, if this is a bootleg... I might have to put this up online for all you folks to enjoy. Uh, I do have the Dr. Slump Preservation Society. Um, basically, I didn't come up with those Dr. Slump. I'm just trying to preserve them. You know, I'm going to do the same thing with Dash Cafe if I can get the final friggin' episode. 1 to 30, I'm missing episode 26. No one will give me episode 26. I can't find it anywhere. If you have Doctors, if you have Dash Cafe episode 26, send it to me. I'm going to set up a Dash Cafe Preservation Society. Basically, some guy in Hawaii started putting up the episodes, and then YouTube canceled his account, and then never again can we get in contact with this dude. So we have about 20 episodes of Dr. Slump with the Golden Upon um, Network English subtitles. That's all we have. I would like to become Karl's Marks of Anime and say, hey, let's get a bunch of fan subgroups together. I challenge you, Anime82 fansubs challenge any group to step up to the bat. I'll fansub five episodes of Dr. Slump. You you fansub five episodes of Dr. Slump. We find like former groups, get a bunch of groups, communists unite, you know. Everyone just fansub five episodes. And the way I'm looking at it is we could just fansub like special episodes just to a selection of, there's so many episodes, we could just, the most significant special episodes and just do a big group of like 50 episodes out of like the 100 and some episodes. Please, let's Communist Unite. What do you think? Anime Classics, what do you think? Live Evil, what do you think? Bro Lord, what do you think? You want to unite? Dr. Slump. Yeah, anyways. Dr. Slump. LF. A great, great release out of Malaysia. Can you believe it? A great release out of Malaysia. It's amazing. Usually the fan subs are like, or I mean, the subtitles are shit. It's a bloody miracle. Anything Dr. Slump with English, regardless if it's crap or not, you have to get. Dr. Slump rules. The manga kind of sucks. I don't like it. Oh, speaking of manga, I'm still reading Berserk. 
I just listened to Anime Shun. It was funny because he just said he was on episode, uh, volume 30. That's totally where I am. And my next show after Mecha Manus Final is going to be a total freaking high fantasy. That's right, Daryl Surratt. High fantasy is awesome. And you suck. No, you're awesome. But high fantasy. I'm totally going to be looking at Berserk the manga. My main man Dane's going to be on the show with other guests. But that's not for a while. So, ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado... Um, we're going to have all the reviews in a row, starting off with Mr. Mike Dent, followed by Andrew of the V Show, and we're going to end things with Jeff, and then I'll say my goodbyes and my I love yous, and I'll see you next week with part two with my review. Yes, I will be back. Thank you, Regan Strugblad. You're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the golden one. Hop that ever lasted. Take it away, Mr. Mike Dent. <laughs> Believe it or not, at first anyways, I was going to go on at great length about Magna Robo Gakin. Seriously, I had a whole thing figured out. Because I'd seen a good chunk of the series, I was all set to explain how incredibly underrated it is, well, given its bad reputation on account of being butchered into Magnus Robot Fighter, and how, in spite of its unique mechanical design in association with Chojin Sentai Balatak, contender for the fuggliest mech of all time, that it was the most fun one could have with the 1970s robot show. Then, as usual, life came knocking at the door, whose actual name is Victoria, but she'll never let you call it that to her face. Hi, Mike. Oh, hey, Victoria. <sighs> hey, life. Didn't really expect a visit. You almost never do. But you need to know something. And that is... You cannot review Gakin for Anime 82. What? Give me one good reason. Everyone will laugh at you. That's never stopped me before. Fine. You don't have enough time before the Midwest Championship to plow through a 50-episode series. And everyone will laugh at you. Well, yeah, I am kind of strapped for time with prep, but... Well, no, no, look, I, I know I can do this. I know if I just jump on my schedule around, I can figure something out. I won't put out anymore. Really? Without remorse. Not, not even a tinge? All right, I'm cutting you off. Fine, okay, fine, fine, fine. I won't review Gakin. Thank you. Yeah? And tell Gerald to stop calling me. I don't care what he offers. I'm not reenacting scenes from Ika with him. I can't. Why not? Because everyone will laugh at me. Okay, maybe it didn't go down exactly like that. Come to think of it, I actually remember it being overcast that day. Anyway, in case you haven't figured it out yet, I'm Mike Dent, Great Sage, Equal of Heaven, Master of the 72 Divine Transformations, Hot Blood Everlasting, The Invincible Dream of Flames, host slash producer of the dreaded R5 Central podcast, which is currently on a college-induced hiatus, but you can still find it over at r5central.wordpress.com, word of advice, do not listen to the first three years, you will hate us for it. Also the navigator for Otaku USA's Friday Ace News Recap podcast, which you can listen to every Friday via iTunes or at otakuusamagazine.com, that's O-T-A-K. 
AUUSAMagazine.com and overall the most dangerous individual you may ever interact with on a Tuesday. At least I like to think so. But aside from being known for all that, I've also gained a reputation for my nearly indiscriminate mechaholism. That being my dangerous love for most things involving giant robots and rocket punches. Mitsutera Yokoyama, Gonagai, Kenny Shikawa had a hand in robbing me of my innocence at a young age. Uh, this was done via episodes of The New Adventures of Gigantor, the English dub of the 1980s remake of Tetsujin 28 on the Sci-Fi Channel before it caught Siffy, and it can mention bootlegs of a lot of the dynamic super robot shows and movies, such as Mazinger Z vs. Devilman and Get a Robo G. And suffice to say, it's been a downward spiral ever since. This, coupled with the fact that I hold the honor for being the only podcaster with his own giant robot, have made me all the more worthy of being brought in on this mecha madness extravaganza. So then with all this build-up, whatever I'm going to be talking about has to be amazing, right? Well, I still like to think it is, although it's something that really you don't hear about as much. And no, this isn't a bait-and-switch where I reveal that I am going to be talking about Gawkeen, which I still insist is awesome. I think it's time, rather, that I brought your attention to one of the unsung heroes of mecha anime. The 1977 classic co-produced by Sunrise and Toei Animation, Kyodenji Machine, Voltus 5. Denji, or Super Electromagnetic Machine Voltus 5, is part of director Tarao Nagahama's Romance Robot Trilogy. Also consisting of Combatler V and Daimos, these three shows are credited for being among the first robot anime to focus on one critical element aside from selling toys, the story. Now, while Combatler had a rather strong plot, it was also the best example of how not to change a show, on account of the second half of the series changing into just another robot show for kids and also for having one of the most unforgivable finales in anime history. Because of that, I feel it wasn't until Voltus that Nagahama really knew where he wanted to go with things. It's almost justified by this quote from him found in the show's Roman album, basically the show's ultimate reference guide. Up until now, when it came to robot anime, the battle scenes were its sales point, and the story concluded in one episode. Voltus 5 was a creation intended to go beyond that. I wanted to get behind the perspectives of the enemy to express their psychological aspects to the audiences. With Voltus, Nagahama truly broke new ground in what would have otherwise been considered a stale genre at the time. Because, let's face it, while a lot of the dynamic robot shows of the time were cool, 50 episodes of the same thing do tend to wear out their welcome real fast. The act of him pulling this off becomes even more impressive when you learn of the show's slightly rocky background, how it performed below expectations, being pitched as a show for both kids and adults, and nearly failing to capture the latter demographic. And how, because of the ratings, a planned movie for the Toei manga Matsuri had been scrapped with no side sponsors wanting to touch them with a ten-foot sword of heaven. And yet, as if to give fate the finger, it achieved legend status. While you won't find it on many essentials lists, one of the biggest crimes against nature since the cancellation of Megas XLR, it's a series that truly deserves more love than it's gotten. Let's talk about what this thing's about already. Set in the not-too-distant future of the 1990s, the aristocratic yet highly advanced Boazanian Empire is primed to take over the Earth and turn humankind into their own personal slave race. While the Earth is just barely hanging on during the first wave of the invasion attack, 
In great super robot fashion, a team has already been training their collective asses off preparing themselves for this very occasion, thanks in part to the premonition of Professor Kentaro Go, father to three members of the team and, of course, is missing by the time the series starts, who saw the invasion coming several miles away. Or in this case, would it be light years? All the same, within the Big Falcon compound, the team comes face to face with Kentaro's masterwork, the titular robot Voltus V. Without so much as a grace period, Kenichi, Daijiro, Kiyoshi, Ipe, and Megumi are thrown to the cockpits of the five individual Volt machines, finding themselves having to endure a trial by fire as they attempt to take down the first of many beast fighters from the Boson Menace. Please, moment on, our heroes, if not the entire planet, finds themselves fighting for survival. Critical characters die left and right. Both sides desperately try to stay one step ahead of each other, and the stakes just keep getting higher and higher. For instance, the episode where our heroes are forced to attack an enemy fortress in which Kenichi Daijiro and Kiyoshi's missing father is confirmed alive and trapped inside. <laughs> How about the team's mentor having to fight his way into a secret base to locate a hidden super electromagnetic power booster, all while Voltus is barely standing and the entire base is under attack by the Boazanian Skullroot battleship and a Beast Fighter of the Week? <laughs> And topping that, how about the supercharged wolf beast fighter that can alter its size at will, can turn its skin into steel-piercing spikes which nearly kill the team? <laughs> Attack at breakneck speeds can electrocute Volta simply by biting its neck, and it can breathe fire. Pretty much every monster in this show is its own major threat, and nothing ever comes easy. You're glued to your seat for every heart-wrenching, nerve-wracking moment, and the story keeps you guessing until the last second, and you never know what's going to happen next. One of the more intriguing aspects of the show, aside from the insanity, is the real villain of the show. No, I'm not talking about a godlike big bad. Rather, it's a central theme that pops up from time to time throughout the series, and plagues not only our heroes, but our villains. Prejudice. Paraphrasing Nagahama from the Voltus V Roman album, previous animes had never dealt with social themes. But in Voltus, I have presented a situation where there was prejudice. And I wanted to integrate that situation into this epic saga. As I mentioned before, the Boazanian Empire, though advanced in technology, is a twisted aristocratic society. They're humanoid in appearance, save for the large horns on their heads, which grant them exclusive birthright into the planet's nobility. But what happens when you aren't born with them? Anybody without horns is thrown into a lifetime of slavery and suffering, all on account of them being considered genetically inferior freaks of nature. The struggle of the hornless denizens of Boazan becomes a major plot point throughout the show. And then back on Earth, certain characters in the series are later outed for having blood ties to the Boazan race, labeled race traitors by people who they once called their peers. A situation shared by main villain Prince Heinel, who I'll go into greater detail about in a moment. And even the leaders of the free world early on in the series are guilty of this as they can barely seem to get past their own differences, and it's just a miracle that they're able to finally put everything aside and form the first ever United Earth Defense Force against the invasion. Prejudice is indeed the true villain of Ultus V, and if anything can be taken away from it, it's that it can be overcome if you're willing to risk anything and everything you've got for change. So powerful was this message that when the series was banned in the Philippines, it was thought to have been because of it inciting the thought of revolution. How come? As of the 21st 
over a big month. I signed Proclamation Number 1081, placing the entire Philippines under martial law. Because Voltus V came during the reign of President Ferdinand Marcos, one of the most notorious leaders in the country's history, whose corruption and embezzling caused massive civil and political unrest and the crumbling of the economy, among other things. He was finally driven into exile around the same time via the People Power Revolution. But as it turns out, Voltus really did have nothing to do with it. In reality, Marcos's banners is actually due to the fact that the TV station broadcast it had become the highest rated in the country, beating out the two government-owned TV stations that would broadcast nothing but his propaganda. In order to keep a hold on his regime and to slaughter the ratings, Marcos saw fit to ban not only anime, but other high-rated imported shows at the time, such as Charlie's Angels, citing that they were too violent and had a negative effect on education. Right. But take a step back and think about it. What other super robot shows at the time could ever really boast that they had that profound of an influence, where people wanted to believe that it helped change their world? At its core, Voltus V will always be a drama. It's one of the first times that a super robot show, if not any show involving giant robots, legitimately attempted it. Well, that and the other show that kind of did it at the same time, a little-known show called Zambot 3. Zambot 3! Zambot 3! Muteki Chojin, or Invincible Superman Zambot 3, is Gundam creator Yoshiki Tomino's mad experiment. You have the Jin family struggle to protect Japan, I mean the world, with the title robot against the alien Gaizok invaders. But all the while dealing with persecution, the harsh reality of being in a war, and being plagued with the one question that most super robot pilots are never asked. Anybody ask you to protect them? Expanding on the mission statement of the Romance Robot trilogy, it's both a sandbox for a few ideas that would show up a few years later in Mobile Suit Gundam, and a dramatic deconstruction of the genre in every sense of the word. But yet here I am talking about Voltus V instead. Because well, Zambot truly is an underrated classic where you can really say, screw the dated animation, this is a great freaking show. I have to argue that Voltus achieved its goal by knocking it out of the park with one crucial area. We actually give a damn about both sides. Butcher the Killer, while he makes you laugh, you never root for him during the course of Zambot 3. You never learn his backstory. All you know is that he's a man-child of a megalomaniac who sits on his fat ass and lights up while committing near genocide. Prince Heinel, on the other hand... <laughs> While he's designed to be ridiculously good-looking, taking design cues from the style of the Takarazuka Review. No, seriously, look it up, it is a fact. There is a part of you that wants to see him succeed to some degree. It comes out early on that his father, the mysterious Lagor, was originally heir to the throne, but he'd been branded a traitor for reasons unknown, and naturally, like in all good aristocratic societies, he received nothing but hell growing up from people thinking nothing good will ever come from the son of a traitor. He takes on the post of the commander of the Boazon Earth Invasion Campaign to try and win favor with the current emperor, thereby restoring honor to his family name. Even though he does occasionally cross the moral event horizon, to quote TV tropes, you will eventually find yourself feeling for the guy in the way that fans fell for Reinhardt in Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Seriously. They both look ridiculously alike! Oh, and speaking of space battleships, a quick side note that should seal the deal on you watching this. In episode 26, Dettler from Space Battleship Yamato appears as a giant archer beast fighter that can turn into a submarine. 
I can already hear you running in the Google searches for that one. Our heroes are also far from cookie cutter, with none of the annoying two guys hating each other for no other reason than we both have penises, so we must fight! BS that annoys the ever-living hell out of me in other shows of the time. Combatler lost me in this regard as the two main guys were continually at each other's throats for no real reason other than there being only enough room in the sausage locker for one ego. In fact, I go so far as to say as the Voltus team nearly manages to surpass their cliches, but then again, they have no time to succumb to them with everything blowing up or dying around them. The token kid isn't annoying. The strongman isn't slow and stupid, but is the actual heart of the team. I mean, the lone female is a freaking ninja. You don't get any better than that. And while we do focus a lot on the three Go brothers, Kenichi, Daijudo, and Hiyoshi, their search for their father, and all the drama therein, there's enough time on screen for the whole team to shine, and for them to chain-knuckle their way straight into... your... heart. Yeah. Wow, that was really bad. I'm sorry, I should have thought that one out a little bit better. So really, why haven't you watched this show yet? I mean, Voltus 5 is readily available, if you don't mind importing DVDs or being <gasps> illegal about it. But it is worth the trouble. Tadao Nagahama crafted something special at the show, and while again it doesn't show up on any top 10 list, its impact can be seen in... Wait a second, just had a thought. Let's really think about this here. I've always had a long-standing theory that Voltus 5 may have played a part in Yoshiki Tamino's development of Zambot 3. So if my theory is right, and Voltus 5 did inspire it, and Zambot 3 was the prototype for Gundam, which was the game-changer of the 70s, much like Evangelion was with its effect on mecha anime in the 90s, and hang about, I remember reading somewhere that Hideaki Anno, the director of Eva, reportedly told Yoshiki Tamino at the Japanese premiere of End of Evangelion that he did it all because of him, and if Hiroyuki Imaishi, the writer of Grand Lagan, cited Zambot 3 as one of his major influences, and if we take into account that Evangelion is essentially what put Gainax on the map in the United States and a lot of other countries, then... Holy crap, that means that Voltus 5 made Gainax! guys and gals. Hopefully you enjoyed this review. Special thanks go to Matt Alt for helping sort out some toy history, and Ivan Chen's Voltus 5 Shrine for being one of the most comprehensive sources of information out there. Until the next, whenever that may be, this is Mike Dent saying, Let's Boss Voltus 5 正義の値段は8700円。誰かの傷ついた心が孤独な空でも笑顔。愛を知らない瞳が求める。
This is Andrew the Veef doing a review for Anime 82 podcast, and what I'm going to cover is the show The Space Knight Tekaman Blade. This show originally ran from 1992 to 1993 by Tatsunoko Productions and is sort of a quasi remake of the original Space Knight Tekaman from the 1970s. It's a remake in the sense that Battlestar Galactica is a remake of Battlestar Galactica. You know what I'm talking about. Now, Tekaman Blade is a science fiction series which takes place in the far-flung future because, well, because nobody wants to watch science fiction in contemporary times, and follows the exploits of a mysterious young man who is known as D-Boy, or Dangerous Boy. And he is a most dangerous boy. One day he manages to fall out of the sky and land a giant crater, completely naked, which is an impressive thing. And he is found by Noel and Aki of the Space Knights, who are a paramilitary organization sworn to fight the Radam. And the Radam are a race of what appear to be space crabs, bugs. It's your basic bug war straight out of Starship Troopers with the sensibilities of a Japanese henshin hero, as D-Boy has the ability to transform into Tekaman Blade, an incredibly powerful superhero being who can fly, he has a crazy lance thing, he has the powerful Voltekers, which allow him to vaporize anything that gets shot by them, and various other abilities. Unfortunately for D-Boy, he carries this curse of being an incomplete Tekaman, as the show goes into it a little more of how he and many of his loved ones were converted into Tekaman. Fortunately for him, he was able to break free of Radom control just in the nick of time, and was able to return to Earth, and is now sworn to protect the Earth against the Radom. And really, what the show does very well despite the fact that it has, again, many of the same themes as um, older henshin heroes such as Kamen Rider, a little bit of Ultraman, and obviously things like your, your classic Starship Troopers, Bug War stuff, is that Tekaman Blade really, really gets you with as far as character interactions and making everybody feel like there is uh, a sense of camaraderie. Because, you know, within the Space Knights, there's D-Boy and the two people who found him, Noel and Aki, and they they trust him. And even though uh, D-Boy doesn't really trust himself for the most part. Uh, and this is largely due to the fact that if D-Boy is to remain as Techman Blade for more than 30 minutes, he goes into a berserker rage. And in, in that point, nothing can stand in his way. And he fears it so much that, again, he has this large uh, ongoing struggle where he still feels he is a human being, although everybody around him treats him as a, a dangerous weapon. And he is kind of melancholy and not not exactly emo, but he has a just this weight of the world on his shoulders which um, can permeates the whole character. And it's, it's great to see just the characters, um, Aki especially, who of course, slowly falls in love with him, and uh, Noel just support him and all the other characters, such as uh, Levin, who is the show's resident crossdresser, who has um, 
so-called Ryusei quality and is actually in love with Tekaman Blade more so than D-Boy. And also Chief Honda, who is your typical overweight mechanic guy who does a lot of things such as inventing Pegasus. And Pegasus is the show's biggest homage to the original Tekaman, as Pegasus later on is required for D-Boy to transform into Tekaman Blade. And Pegasus is mostly known for having a deep voice, saying very little, but still managing to charm his way into your heart. And an interesting note about Pegasus is that his face is purposely designed to have a little snout as a reference to the Tatsunoko logo, which is a cute little seahorse. There's also the enigmatic Heinrich von Freeman, as voiced by Captain Bright himself, Hirotaka Suzuoka. Okay. And Heinrich von Freeman is the strange, is again, a, is a very strong and dedicated commander as far as the Space Knights go, and he will do anything to help defend the Earth and has a, a very interesting um, behind-the-scenes way of getting everything accomplished, kind of like uh, Goto from Potlaver in the way he kind of manipulates everybody to do his bidding. And there's also the interesting sub-character of Balzac Asimov, and this guy gets my respect for being really cool despite having the ridiculous name of Balzac. He also has very good beard genes, as you'll notice. The man has a, an incredible beard. Um, as I was saying before, as the show progresses, there's just this great sense of characters coming together, especially D-Boy, and learning to deal with his incredible situation as... Again, not many people trust him and people want to control him as he is the only effective weapon against the Radom space crabs and also the other Tekamen. As the series goes on, we are introduced to uh, D-Boy's brother Shinya, who was reconstructed into Tekaman Evil. There's no ambiguity about that name. He is pretty damn evil. And again, uh, more Tekaman are introduced, all of whom were loved ones in uh, D-Boy's life at some point. And he has to learn how to fight his own friends and family. And um, one great thing about D-Boy especially is that uh, his voice actor really put a lot of effort into giving him a, a real sense of tragic uh, knowingness and just the way he treats every situation with this kind of stoic strength and how he needs to fight as hard as he possibly can to the point where his own body is being slowly, slowly wrecked by even transforming into Tekaman Blade. But he is so selfless in this crusade against the Radom that he will just keep on fighting and every time he uses the Voltecker, he has an absolutely righteous, righteous shout. Which, as I've heard at one point, actually broke a microphone he was shouting so loud into it. And uh, that, that's no mean feat. So, um, I'd have to say it's definitely one of the best shows of its kind. As um, there are really not that many serious uh, Henshin hero shows. As far as the, uh, the animated side goes, I mean... There certainly are some more serious tokusatsu shows out there. But uh, Tekaman is definitely a, a unique show. Well, mostly unique, because it was somewhat preempted by the OVA Detonator Organ, which, according to rumors, actually used some unused uh, material from the Tekaman Blade development project. 
and um, put them together in an OVA before Tekkenman Blade even aired. Both Detonator Organ and Tekkenman Blade are very much worth watching. And uh, a great thing about it is is that you don't have to go through the awful Technoman dub anymore. And Technoman was dubbed in, I think it was New Zealand or Australia or something like that. And a lot of the characters were renamed to obviously be a little less Japanese. And they were also given these strange names, which kind of sound like porn star names. Um, Aki is now Star Summers, and one guy is like Ringo, and it's like, eh. All right, and they also actually changed the uh, cross-dressing character to just being a woman, because cross-dressers aren't kid-friendly. If this show does have one major fault, is that a lot of early episodes have that same effect, as uh, you may recall from watching Super Dimension Fortress Macross, where many of them just look terrible. Now, I'm not sure if this is the same reason, because um, it happened in Macross because they were just always behind schedule, and they'd have to outsource to a Studio Star Pro in Korea by way of Anime Friend. Um, and that was Tatsunoko's own studio, Anime Friend. And I actually have to, I have to wonder if uh, Star Pro, it was the, the Korean sub-studio, was working on this show because those episodes look really terrible. Things are very off-model during these episodes. And the problem is, is that a lot of the early episodes are also very important. So you do need to watch them to understand the introductions of certain characters who will be appearing later. Probably the... And also one thing I really don't like about the show is that it does have a few too many recaps. And there's like four recaps throughout the whole thing. And recaps just piss me off. Because I, I feel like they're kind of a waste of time and your mileage may vary. And um, also, towards the end of the show, I feel that it it did kind of go off for a little bit on a, a shonen fighting fetch quest. Where they had to go find somebody and he kept moving every episode and there were a lot of irrelevant, almost filler episodes in the middle. It really didn't add to it. But still, it's a very solid show, and it has a, a lot of heart to it. You will feel for D-Boy every time he struggles to fight, and you will feel for the characters as everything starts to get slowly and slowly more desperate and worse as the show goes on. Not to say that at the end of it you won't feel a nice sense of... Uh, catharsis as everything finally comes to a very very satisfying conclusion i actually have not seen tekaman blade 2 which i heard was kind of a disappointment although um, one nice thing about the tekaman uh, blade dvd set put out by media blasters is that it does come with a lot of the extra ovas including the incredibly animated twin blood special where both D-Boy and Shinya are somewhat reimagined in their Tekaman forms, as instead of having their Tekaman armor form around them as they transform, they literally turn into the armor, like mutate and morph into the armor. It's a really amazing thing to see in the Twin Blood special. And there's also other things such as the Burning Clock, which goes into the backstory of Shinya, and the oddly titled Missing Link, or Missing Ling as it keeps popping up in English during this uh, little pseudo-trailer, which I guess was a uh, preview for a sequel that never came to be because they just made Tekkenman Blade 2 instead. And it's very odd and confusing and also features some weird uh, woman-on-man rape. 
which will get people uh, scratching their heads at some point. Anyway, if you just want to watch Tekkaman Blade, I, I highly recommend Tekkaman Blade. Again, great show, a lot of heart, very, very good show. Okay, this has been Andrew for The Veef Show. If you want to check out The Veef Show, just go to Google and type in V-E-F space show because I just have a blog on Collection DX right now. But you should be able to find it. All right, so good luck to uh, Reagan Strongblood, who is now uh, one of my fans. So this has been Andrew for a segment of Mechamaniacs. Maddox 01, released twice in the United States by Industry Trailblazers Animago. This was, in fact, Animago's first release back in the glory days of VHS, way back in 1990, and again on DVD in 2004. I distinctly remember seeing the full-page ad for that VHS release in an issue of Animag magazine, and I'll share another memory from that ad later on in the review. Maddox, as I'll refer to it from now on, was a production of three companies whose names are splashed across many of the classics of the 1980s direct-to-video market, AIC, Artmic, and Pony Canyon, but we'll concern ourselves with AIC and Artmic, primarily because those two production houses were in the process of making the Bubblegum Crisis series of OAVs, the first of which came out a year before Maddox in 1987. In fact, some of the staff from Maddox were involved with Bubblegum Crisis, but I'm going to name only one, who was the director, provided the story, and also most of the mechanical design. Shinji Aramaki. Now, Aramaki is a name that brings forth the polarized reactions from anime fans. As mechanical and production designers go, he's up there with some of the best, in my opinion. In addition to Maddox and Bubblegum Crisis, he's also put his stamp on Genesis Climber Mospita, MS Igloo, Full Metal Alchemist, both of the CG Appleseed movies. And for American fans, I'll also throw out a little show called Mask. And also Transformers. He designed Soundwave. How cool is that? But while his strengths arguably lie within his design skills, he's also known for his not-so-great directorial work on the astoundingly awful Megazone 2-3 Part 3, and, again, both Appleseed movies. But it is clear that Aramaki remains a strong weapon in the anime industry arsenal, with his name recently attached to Halo Legends and the proposed CG Captain Harlock project. So now I'd like to start discussing this short 45-minute OAV. It begins with a minute's worth of the Maddox's systems being tested. The minigun, the sensor arrays, arms, hands, and so on. In that sense, it's evocative of the opening sequence of a feature film that would come five years later. Pat Labor 2. The care and crafting put into this opening sequence is evident. The Maddox unit really looks like something that could feasibly exist with the right amount of very near-future technology. Things that will never be seen in the course of the OAV, like the controls for opening and closing the hand, and how the suit's optics work, are given center stage for a few glorious seconds. A little bit later, we get to see the Maddox one strutted stuff against a platoon of main battle tanks, taking them out one by one in close quarters urban street combat. 
It's in these first few minutes that I struck upon the best way to describe this for folks who are listening to this particular episode of Anime 82. You know how Cinemax has those late night movies where there's plenty of pretty things to look at, and at the slightest prompting those pretty things do very arousing things with other pretty things several times throughout the course of the film? And do you also know that outside of those bare-bones structure that really isn't much to catch your interest at all and that you wish that those pretty things would just get back to doing those arousing things and forget about all the other stuff and that if you look closely enough you get the sense that not a lot of money was spent on this just enough to get it made and put on the market yeah i'm, I'm going there metal skin panic maddox zero one is nothing more than soft core mecha porn with nothing making that more evident to me than the shot of the Maddox Zero One posed in front of a UH-60 Black Hawk helicopter with its weapons and ammunition artfully laid out in front of it, in the same manner that photos of military aircraft on the tarmac are used to display their versatility. The cherry on top is the throwaway reference to an E-2C Hawkeye naval recon plane, just the sort of thing that strokes the wang of mecha and military otaku alike. And while, as I've said, the mechanical designs of both the Maddox Zero One as well as the earlier, bulkier Maddox Zero Zero prototype are top-notch, in keeping with the Skinamax special motif, I want to point out that Aramaki's story and Hideki Tamuro's character designs fall way short. I'll start with the characters, many of whom sport shoulders wide enough to land F.A. 18 Hornets. And by that, I don't mean that they're sporting 80s-era shoulder pads. Oh, no. The physical structure of these military men is so goofy-footed wrong that I couldn't help but wonder if their uniforms and suits weren't five-foot-wide molded fiberglass with their normal-sized heads poking through the collars. Skinny chicken necks abound, and some characters' faces look totally different when in profile or from the front. Ace Maddox test pilot Eli Kusumoto suffers particularly from this. Her mouth shrinks to a pinprick if you look at her head on, but returns to proper proportions from the side. And then there's Shiori, the main character's love interest who I haven't mentioned before, or the main character's name for that matter. It's Koji, by the way. Yeah. Her face at times looks as if it might be drawn by a right-handed person forced to use their left hand. It's all angular and rough. And that goes back to the memory of the full-page ad that I mentioned. I honestly thought that it was bad fan art done by some American to advertise Maddox. Instead, it turns out, after I saw Maddox, that uh, yeah, the character signs really were that chunky looking. Shinji Aramaki, as noted already, is no Mark Twain, and as such, the story he brings to the table is not particularly involving. It's pretty basic. Here it is in a nutshell, and gee, I'm sorry if there are any spoilers here for this very old OAV. Secret military technology goes missing, only to be found by an ordinary guy. He gets stuck inside this powered armor and has to evade those who would take back the armor or at worst, destroy it. But Aramaki throws in a bit of a twist by adding in a romantic subplot by having Shiori about to leave town to go to university. And unless Koji meets her atop a skyscraper by a certain time, he'll never be able to tell her his true feelings. Now, given that Shiori shows herself to be utterly oblivious to events that happen around her, namely a firefight involving helicopters, powered armor, and a customized tank piloted by a crazy battle addict, I, for one, would be reluctant to commit to a relationship for fear that she'd just stare vacantly out the bedroom window for most of the day. Another bone I have to pick is that the story is as linear as a Final Fantasy game, with characters introduced just long enough to say their few lines before disappearing entirely 
off the face of the planet. Koji's mechanic buddy, the corporate suits and military officers who bicker over the loss of their precious powered armor that literally falls off the back of a truck, and even Eli Kusumoto all reach a point where they are never seen again. Their utility to the plot spent. Also annoying is the lack of real-world reaction to the events of Maddox Zero One. So you come across a mysterious military crate that unpacks itself into a suit of powered armor. Now most people's next move is not likely to be trying it on for size. And once you get locked into that armor, most people are not simply going to go ahead and meet their girlfriend 50 stories up on an observation deck. Doubly so if that armor shoots down a military helicopter all on its own. And if you start to be attacked by another suit of powered armor containing the person who test piloted the very armor that you're wearing, clearly the best option is to fight back with lethal force. Conversely, that becomes a very good choice when you're also attacked by an insane guy who appears to pilot an agile personal tank with only his legs and prehensile penis. I swear, he never buttons it up. He's always half out of the turret. And the people of Tokyo must really be numbed to odd sights, thanks to all the giant monster attacks, because they hardly seem to react to low-flying combat armor crashing through their convenience store walls or stopping on a busy intersection. Hell, two jerks actually sideswipe the Maddox unit in their car because it's taking up too much space on the road. These are not normal reactions. And one last bit of bashing. The American dub is more wooden than a lumber yard. I get the impression that it was done for next to no money and maybe over the course of a couple of afternoons. And there's precious little emotion expressed by the actors and the voices never seem to be a part of the video, never a part of the environment in which this takes place. It feels layered over the video. Now take, for instance, when Koji crashes into the convenience store and tries to save face by buying a microwavable meal. Here, take a listen. What? Where's the break? Here. Looks like I've stopped. Oh. Excuse me? Huh? Uh, yes, I'll take this, please. Can you warm it up in a microwave? Um. See what I mean? There's just no connection between the voices and any background sound from the scene, and it's just plain hard to listen to. While I've spent a lot of time taking Maddox Zero One to task for its simplified story and other shortcomings, the truth is that this remains an entertaining little OAV, and with a lot of subtle humor, whether it's intentional or not. And it was probably the sort of side project that gets thrown a bit of money, probably in light of Aramaki's work on Bubblegum Crisis, which might have allowed him to pitch his story idea successfully. Anything involving the Maddox unit is entertaining, and the fight scene choreography is directed competently. What's more, if you want to buy this, it's dirt cheap. At the time of this recording, it's a mere $7.99 from Animego's website. Face it, folks, you've probably spent more for worse. Yeah, that's not much of a ringing endorsement, is it? Well, then, let me just go back to when I called Metal Skin Panic, Maddox Zero One, Softcore, Mecha Porn. That still holds, and it's probably the best way to shape it. What then would hardcore mecha porn be? Probably a string of transformation and combining sequences, the gatai shots, from stuff like Combat V and Gal Gygar, you know, the tab A and the slot B thing. Uh, uh, you know, maybe I should just stop now. Yeah.
there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another exciting episode of Anime 82. I'm sorry I didn't do a review. I always do a review on every show, but this is part one of a whole show. I just split it up AWO style because I wanted to get it out for you folks. So, Mecha Madness final part one is now concluded. Join me next week. That's right, next week. I said it next week for the final of the final. Mecha Madness Part 2 with my review of Armor Trooper Votums, Shining Heresy. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll leave you the way I always do by saying I love you, anime loves you, and the power of anime love compels you. Join me for the final, final of Mecha Madness. Can you survive? Are you strong enough to make it?